It tries mightily to make spit sexy, which is a, a great accomplishment because that shit's vile. So. Welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Andy. Hi! Duncan. Hey there. And John. Hello. We're nearing the end of the season, guys, and we have a couple of shows to talk about. I think we're going to go for uh, quality instead of quantity this time. Uh, <laughs> Debatable. We'll talk about that later. Uh, in honor of the fact that uh, that it actually jumped up to the mid-60s here today, and I thought I could go for a run, but then I didn't, uh, which is I feel like I'm sure John can sympathize with. Uh, I uh, caught up on Run With The Wind, and I know that some of you are tired of how much we talk about Run With The Wind, and every single time we're just like, it's really good. It's a good sports <laughs> anime, but it's a really good sports anime. <laughs> Are you all the way caught up, John? I am. I caught up. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, my thoughts petered out. Yes, I'm caught up. <laughs> uh, well, they're in. They're in. A, uh, they're in the final race now, and actually, it looks like it's going to take like all but maybe the last episode for them to complete the race. Yeah, they're so they're we... still like flying through it though. It's crazy. What? Wait, wait. <laughs> How is something the final race? Are they never going to race again? Are there no other races? Well. Kind of, actually, uh, because like a couple of their members are going to graduate, but they're going to um, Hakonen, Hakonen Ekiden or the Tokyo Hakonen Round Trip College Ekiden Race, um, the most like important uh, university level relay, long distance relay race in the world, possibly. Uh, and they are running in it, and it's all ten people. Best. Even Shindo who turned out to be sick and had a, a very intense. Uh, part of his yeah he didn't deserve it and here's the thing andy like it's when when we say final race it's because that's the final goal of this show it was like you know how in most sports anime it's like the main character just wants to be amazing and the best and whoa yeah. Yeah. this that's not what this ever was or ever will be it was we have a goal and we're going to work toward it and we are going to compete in this race and that's that's it that's their entire goal yeah because it's, it's it's almost entirely like spurred from haiji the like head guy of the club like his dream is just to like run in Hakone they all want to they all want to run it's a running anime <laughs> they don't all want to run until he blackmails them into it and then, and then they and start I was, to want to run and I so over the past few weeks I you kept like coming in like oh I hate the twins oh I hate the twins and I was like oh it's just John being melodramatic the but then when they, they they beat the qualifier which was a they all had to run like a 20 kilometer uh, marathon and mm -hmm. their group time had to come in under a certain threshold for them to for them to get seated into the the final marathon and when they ran it and they they did it they they just barely came in under they said that like you have to get under 10 hours and 12 minutes to uh to qualify and they got like 10 16 but i think they just managed to really squeak in and then the twins are like well we're obviously not going to win the final race so why are we even so, yeah, so why bothering we? to do it yeah. And I was really irritated at them. And it's the same pattern I always have with this anime where I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be like two or three episodes of drama about how they don't want to be part of the team <laughs> and other people are going to get going to get uh, discouraged. But then, like, they did something that this show, like, really does well, where it just trusts you to, like, see things through 
where like they fight about it and no one comes away happy. And then over the next couple episodes, like it's sort of like it resolves naturally instead yeah. of as one big melodramatic moment. Yeah. Cause they're, cause they're like, well, why are we even running if we're not going to win? And Haiji in what's a very cool move in terms of writing, but a bad move in terms of being like the team captain yeah. says, I don't know. I'm trying I to find know. it out <laughs> myself. Uh, and, uh, oh no. And it's, it's, I can and actually, so, like, like every- when I, when I'm complaining about the twins, it's stuff that I'm sure we'll talk about very soon, but like that actual, that moment where they are, are like, we're never going to win. Why are we bothered? Like, I can sort of empathize with that. Like yeah. in a competition, if you're not trying to win, it feels like why bother? Like for me personally, I would be like, oh man, I'm just getting to participate. This feels pretty good. I never thought I'd be here, but well, that's one of someone's reasons. It's like, we're running because literally thousands of people in the country were right. all like killed to, to be running in. Yeah. This marathon. Um, but that's not the answer that wins them over. And in fact, like, I don't, I think they just kind of come to it on their own in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like, but we also have like Fujioka, who's like the all-star runner from a different school. And he has a great speech about how he's not running to win. He's running to like, see what the potential of his body is. And so it's just kind of cool that like, yeah, it's we like, have the, that. it's like the ideal of being a sportsman. <laughs> yeah. I want to do it to see what I can do. Also, he looks like a like. Oh yeah, he is yeah. a weird mutant giraffe man who's made for running. If he showed up on the set of Welcome to the Ballroom, uh, I <laughs> yes. wouldn't see anything different there. Uh, but no, and then like it's just kind of like the twins bring up this thing, and there's like a fight, and like it just everyone walks away thinking about it, and they all come to their own conclusions. And there's not really a like, and this character arc is done now. It's just kind of something that gets built into tension, and then during the marathon. Like we spend we spend like a good like five or ten minutes in each of the twins' heads because the brilliance of this final mar- of this final relay marathon is we just get to spend like time with a, each runner successively a solid block of time with each yeah. runner where where they think about like why they're how they got here why they're here um, and so it's like actually interesting to like get into the twin psychology and not hate them for being goofy and annoying when he's just like. He's just like, this has been a really good experience, but I can tell that my, my, my twin brother is going to be the better runner than me. And honestly, I have other things I want to do. And I love so, that moment. That moment's yeah. so great. And then, and then <laughs> as he's nearing the fucking finish line, the, the, the girl, oh, I forget her name. Some, the, the girl. Hana Chan. Sorry, who? Hana. Yeah, Hana, Hana. Yeah. So she's been like helping the team throughout, like basically since the beginning and she's there watching him and he's like oh why is she watching me she she must like me oh she likes me and then as she passes on the the flag to the next to to his brother he's like oh i think hanachan likes me and then uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny but god like i really i just i've They're never immature. been a fan of how yeah immature they are about like obsessing <laughs> over hana it feels really out of place in this otherwise super mature show. Like, well, because the, the funny thing that happened with me, and this is maybe just me being naive, which I shouldn't be after watching this much anime, where they're <laughs> like, she's a high school girl. I'm like, oh, that means she's off limits because they're all college kids. And of course not. What's wrong with you, Ben? Well, but... there's that. I mean, I like that's weird, but also like that's a thing that I have seen happen in real life. Yeah. Know? Like yeah. a college no. boyfriend for a girlfriend, like they're like a year apart technically it's just that one graduated first like so i can i mean i'm not it's weird but i can sort of justify it but but i just it's still just like like i said it's just super immature in the grand scheme of things compared to everything else in the show well because a lot of characters had to grow up like really fast and like i think that was although we've like had several like very detailed arcs with prince who's 
basically an honorary protagonist at some points yeah, of the show. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but like him, his head in the thing where he's like, God, I hate, he's like, I hate running. I hate it. I, I hate it so much. It hurts and you end <laughs> it tired and everyone's like looking at you to do better and you don't know if you can. And he's like, but I, I would hate not running even more. And that just felt like a very mature place for him to end up mm-hmm. versus like, oh, I think a girl likes me. Yeah. Hey, twin brother, who clearly also has a crush on this girl. I think this girl likes me. Now um, go, now enjoy your biggest run of your life. Yeah. On the plus side, at least she's not, like, fawning over the, act, yeah. the actual main character, which, you know. Well, it's because Kaku's a sociopath. No one wants to be <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> but no, yeah, but, like, just how they play these things out, because I was thinking with how well they set up Shindo's illness, um... Because they just have these things that happen, and they're part of other people's arcs, but they all build together towards this big thing where he's sick on on the race day. And because mm-hmm. they have, most teams have ten, have twelve to fourteen people, so that they can sub someone out if someone gets sick or isn't up to snuff on yeah. on race day. But they just have this this seat in where they talk about that, and then Sakaki, who I guess we're not going to get a resolution to his arc because he's still like a shithead about. Kakaru punching their coach oh, yeah yeah back in but uh but uh he like taunts them about like don't get sick and then everyone just kept being like man Shindo you're staying up late a lot he's like oh I'm fine <clears throat> and then he seems kind of like bummed about his breakup because his girlfriend dumped him because he was too into running and and building a, a website so like the way they build all these things so that it makes sense once you look back that he got sick yeah but it's still when it happens it still feels like a, a twist that you weren't expecting because everything is just so naturally integrated into what's happening yeah they you never tell, make I, a big deal of any single moment they foreshadow a lot but they never like do it in your face and it's yeah, really I, good i feel like you can tell that it's it's a novel just based on yeah, like how yeah. how well things are built up poor shindo He's such a nice yeah. guy. He just wants to run to help people. That's all he's doing. <laughs> well, all the nice, like like a uh, Musa got a nice ending too. Even though it was kind of weird to have him end up briefly on the savanna when he was mentally visualizing running. Um, but like, <laughs> to be fair, he is actually from Africa. Yeah, so. I know, but it's just but, but I know weird. <laughs> At least they did did spend some time dealing with like racism against uh, black people in Japan, even if it was only a few minutes, but yeah, it, no, at I least, at least they didn't just sweep it under the carpet. They did bring it up, talked about it yeah. briefly and uh, acknowledged it at least. I mean, you're, you're, you're hundred percent right in saying that there's not a, a bad guy among them. They're all uh, it's a big bunch of uh, uh, nice guys and like the only real bad guy in the entire thing is just that is the the shrill high school rival and like yeah. who we just we've only seen in a couple of, of shots and isn't really actually any well so far we may actually find out in the fact cup final couple of episodes so far hasn't actually been a direct rival in any sense he's never been racing against any of them yeah i mean well the interesting thing is like what they show is that like you don't need to have like an enemy like in a lot of sports anime where there's just like someone who's like no i'm the best and then they just like run against you in every single race most of the damage he does is just getting in people's heads and then because a lot of a lot of the conflict in this show is very internal in terms of mm-hmm. in terms of just like I, I think it's when haiji's talking about running where he's like he's like all of your mistakes are going to come from from tiredness and distraction. So those are your en- those are your enemies. And so like the idea that just someone saying something shitty to you or someone saying something vaguely racist about how like 
Well, it's a shame they couldn't have an all Japanese person team, but they probably are getting paid to to have that black person on their team. Um, like the fact that like if you let that get under your skin, you become a worse runner, and it's just like a lot of the time it's about not having negative people around you, not because of some sort of Eckhart Tolle, uh, you know, visualizing what you want from life, mm-hmm. but it's literally just that like if someone says something shitty around you, it stays in your head and it can come up at the wrong time and you'll mess up your rhythm or you'll run too fast. Cause that was a big thing. These past few episodes is like not letting people who are faster than you ruin your rhythm so that you tire yourself out. Yeah. And the nice thing was with a, uh, with Musa's run, mm, yeah. uh, the guy from Africa where they were worried he was running too fast, but actually he just, he just, just was pushing himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was really good. <laughs> I love this fucking show. I love it it's so, so much. Yeah. I forget about, I forget how much I like it. And then I turn it on. I'm like, man, I love this. I'm instantly invested in the characters and everything's so real. It is. The, and, it is the one show this season, even against, or in, in last season, even against mob, which is like, you know, the, the anime darling of everything. Like even against that, like I always like, I'm so sad when I reach the end of an episode. Cause I just want to <laughs> keep watching. And I watch it I mean, every week religiously. Like I don't. This is the one show I do not love. I I never fall behind on because I just want to see it. I just want to keep going. Yeah. No, I forget. I forget about it because I I think of it as a sports anime. And I don't have a lot of passion for most sports animes, but I watch it. And it's like bringing up like Sakaki, the high school rival kid. Like maybe they are building for a resolution. I don't know. There's been stuff seated in there that I just can't remember. And when he and Kaku confront each other or something like. I have It'll a feeling come that'll through, happen when cock, when they get the Kakaru's segment. But yeah, I'm really we'll excited to spend a he- to spend like five to ten minutes in Kakaru's head and then in Haiji's head because I feel like he's the he's going to be the finisher. He's going to be the last yeah. leg of the relay. So the one gonna... thing I'm really dreading is that they're just, like I, I said yeah. earlier that they do a good job of foreshadowing stuff without being in your face. But with Haiji's knee, they're very in your face and. I kind of just want him to finish without having any problems. <laughs> like, I, th- like I think that would be the biggest twist they could have in this show is just to not have him collapse in knee pain. At the I end mean, of if the any race. if any show actually doesn't doesn't pay off the him landing on his leg wrong after they knocked over the table or or him like having to ice his leg, which is really because he like he's clearly in pain by the end of the run. And then he's just like icing his leg for the next three scenes. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, but there's no like, Oh, oh my God, what's going on? I yeah, just like, yeah. no, my money hurts. Leave mm-hmm. me alone. But if any show, if any show were not to like pay off all of this, like foreshadowing that Haiji's leg is going to like turn at a right angle suddenly during the run. Um, it would be this show. Yeah. I trust it. I trust it not to tug me around, which is I funny. Cause I, again, I keep forgetting that it, it's not that kind of show. Yeah. yeah. And, and they've removed quite a lot of the, sort of traditional drama around the sort of final legs of a race by having uh, them fall behind so hugely now that yeah yeah which are... you know especially yeah because they had a guy with an obvious like extreme fever just like yeah. staggering i could not run 20 kilometers with with a fever i would yeah. die i would lay on the road and die well i couldn't run 20 kilometers so you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean at the end of the the day is it the way the thing is set up so that people have their first leg first i think it's five legs going up and then they have another five legs come down on a different day because it wasn't clear about that yeah Uh, it it goes over it's over two days and it's the first it's the the first half is the top and then the second half is the bottom the 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 drama is still there then because they might be like 
second half champions or something considering they've got they've got two ace runners or something if if the, if they wanted to go for that they could but hopefully they won't. I, I again i trust i trust the show i yeah like who's left it's it's king and nico chan senpai and Heidi and, and uh, yuki and yuki the yuki. the lawyer guy yeah, yeah, yeah. who's they've I'm, set a bunch of family problems with him which i don't know if they're going to pay off or if that was just a moment of connection between him and kaku, and kaku who right, also yeah. has family problems but i'm really looking forward to nico chan senpai he's my se- second favorite character yeah he's Prince. he's great i have a lot of feelings for being the the older guy and just not being in great shape yeah <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> uh okay well, I'm, I'm glad uh, we'll we'll be revisiting this again once the season ends, and that will probably push Running with the Wind over the top to our most discussed anime <laughs> on on keyframes. But it deserves it. This is this is great. I'm I'm happy to put this up here up there with uh with Cross Game and Chi Chihafru as like season three is coming in. I they yeah. delayed it, so it's not next season, but it's two seasons from now. Anyway. Good. More time is better. Like, we need, like they need to get this right. It's yeah. going to be our last chance. So, <laughs> yeah, Imagine if they do an index. Doing an index is, should not enter our vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually oh. just mentioning that and trying to keep this going long enough so we can actually have that overtake uh, like the wind does our most discussed. I'll, <laughs> I'll be really sad if you let that happen. I don't... I don't have anything else. Like, the problem is, I think we set everything we can possibly say yeah. about Index, which is that I it's not think... good. <laughs> we both shitty, know that. Shitty playground imagination games <laughs> starring, like, the world's, world's most boring dude and his awful little child bride. So, <laughs> Good segue. Let's go- now uh, move on. To- <laughs> that was just off the top of my head. Let's move on so to speaking uh, of that- Rising of the Shield hero. Mm-hmm. So his 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 uh, child adventure companion is technically a raccoon, and she's actually leveled up to level eighteen. And every time she gains a level, she ages. Apparently, she's not ten, honest. But yeah, so yeah, I watched uh, Shield Hero because, well, quite frankly, because John has said some good things about it, and I tend to. And then I said some really bad things, mm-hmm. and then I dropped it, and then you forced <laughs> me to pick it back up again. But I, I wanted. To... It's like I was really, like a lot of people, I was really put off by some of what happened in the first episode, which, having given it a watch and given it some thought, I think the f- some of the stuff around the first episode is well-deserved. I mean, what the wider internet heard was there's a false accusation of rape, and, yeah, there was a lot of outrage about that, and, yeah, that's... A, a definite problem, but what makes it particularly problem is they set it up as the kingdom's a matriarchy, so the kingdom's run by women, and so they they have this setup where the a man is is accused by a woman in a matriarchy where attempting to assault a woman is punishable by death, so it's it's over, it's like ups the stakes for any accusation and. On top of that, it's framed as being he's falsely accused by the elites of the country who all are really self-serving and all who are hypocrites who who basically say, oh, well, you should act more like us, more like the, the, the proper people who know the way to act and so on. The problem isn't just the rape accusation, it's the context it's put in. It's the, it's, as, as we say, it's the, the matriarchy and the um, elites making it. And if you can't 
place that sort of context and that sort of event to do that and not feel it's political is almost a political statement in itself i would argue that it's a fucking isekai and these guys just do whatever the fuck they want i i'm not convinced that he did it out of any ulterior motive the original author of the light novel also and i'm gonna go like several steps here so let mm. me to finish uh after like the the show started airing that happened i watched i was like that's that's stupid why and then i kept watching and whatever i just kind of let it go because sometimes i do that um and then i read some spoilers about like when the queen comes back like everybody knows that the king and the princess are kind of shitty people but the queen comes back and and like I think that the people are supposed to like love her and she's like actually a good leader and she recognizes what happens and calls them out and punishes them for it, which is good. And I think is a good payoff for that. Um, and then I read and another then... spoiler where <laughs> she allows the main character now Fumi to determine or to decide the punishment. And normally like that she was suggesting something like actually just exile or, or maybe in some worse. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he settles for calling the king trip. Uh, trash and the and the princess bitch so you know kind of goes back and forth um and then i read some more spoilers <laughs> about this other this other king that like like uh now fumi runs into i don't i don't even know if this will happen in the anime but i forget what his name is like i think he's like pig king or something like that they call him he has this fascination of uh, he like okay this is bad. He records, I believe. Okay. Wait, it's it isn't like <clears throat> is this in times? the is this in the anime? By the way, this is not in the anime yet. I'm just okay. kind of talking down the spoilers because the spoilers reading about spoilers has made me go from allowing or letting things slide to hating them to letting them slide again to hating them again. And at this point, I've just dropped the show entirely. So, you know. But uh, this this guy, I think he sends Naofumi, the main character, like videos of. I think him raping women and like he's like oh check this out look what i just did Wait, well why it what yeah that's a anyway. that's a hell of a jump it's something um <laughs> that's all i got like i just i don't have i give anime a lot of benefit of the doubt just because it's all fucking problematic a lot of the times and i mm. did that here and i went too far and now i hate my life <laughs> oh, i don't think you can judge your feelings on a show on what hasn't actually happened yet because i don't like i need to know what the context is because it's so bad here like okay the false rape accusation is bad uh already in the show we have seen the queen like call her out for being bad like she sends like some one of the ninja royal or guard or whatever yeah. royal ninja guards yeah to like be yeah. like hey stop being a piece of shit uh which is which is a positive i think um and then we the other the other big thing is the slavery thing and like i am actually kind of like i'm okay with a, a show existing where slavery exists and is acknowledged to be bad but also sometimes like the, maybe the main character does take advantage mm. of it and it's bad that he does it but maybe he just like that's a situation he's put in he's in a really shitty situation and he's like you know he's dead on the inside and he just kind of gives up and does what he has to do to survive that's not a justification for slavery but it is a narrative justification for why it would happen and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing as long as it has good payoff and that's where it fails again. <laughs> I mean, it's built. It's been building throughout towards the uh, idea of him 
it rejecting and hating the world and that sort of both giving him power but ultimately being a danger to him and uh, those things he actually cares about. Um, mm. But it's, as you say, there's the slave stuff is icky to say the least. And the strangest thing about it is the way they actually frame the the, the slaver uh, himself. He's like this weird top hat wearing, constant grinning son of a bitch. He's like but, he's like a villain from like an evil circus or some shit. <laughs> but he sells slaves. The the thing is, he's got. He seems to have pre. I'm not sure if I'm just reading it into it, but they seem to be implying he's got um, pre-knowledge of, like, the story of 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 what's going to happen. Like, part of uh, the conceit of the show is that, uh, like, this... Narifumi's reading a, a book uh, which tells the tales of, of what happens to the heroes and what they're all like, and that they all have set roles, and each time they all uh, always have always seem to have like similar affinities like so he's supposed the shield hero is supposedly always uh is strongly associated with demi-humans and like this uh can you pronounce the name john because i'm gonna mess it up uh, Raffi Raff tail it's yeah i think that's, fantasy I think name. that's <laughs> correct um like she's told uh, stories about the shield hero by her parents when they're killed by the huge uh, waves of invaders, which happen occasionally, and so she sort of comes into this idolizing him, which makes the entire slave being redeemed by the good master even more problematic. But the fact that the the slaver himself seems to have not foreknowledge of both that he would pick her and that he gives him his next companion as well so he's he's almost set up as like this um, meta character like he he's the one who knows the way the world works which is actually makes I don't know. it makes his I didn't I didn't get that vibe but I guess I can see it I I didn't really yeah. make note of him at all he's just kind of there as a plot device yeah I, mean, I think. What sort of stories did they tell about him? Ah, oh, this shield hero. He's really good at putting up a shield and deflecting attacks. I just want to okay. know. I don't know. What cool. sort of stories? You're pretty cool, cool much into it. Um, he basically, the gist of it is he is known in the past for being sympathetic toward the beast kin. Beast kin? Beast people? Whatever broader category Raftail's in. She's a raccoon girl. Um, right. Shield hero is known for being sympathetic toward them. Uh, where everybody else looks down on them as lesser beings. So. By employing them as slaves? What? <laughs> uh, this is the past shield heroes. There oh, right, shield okay. Heroes. okay. This is I sort see. of a legacy thing. Right. Also, when you're you. a slave, you're not you're not employed, Andy. Come on. Uh, apologies, yes. Oh, Idiot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Well, I don't... Listen, I think the show's shit. <laughs> there's, there's some good... Th I like... I'll, I'll, I'll just list a few things I like about it. I like that it starts off with him being completely fucking abandoned by the entire world because I think that's a good angle to start this kind of story with because usually they're just a fucking hero outright and they're super good at everything and everybody loves them. Yeah. Uh, the ones that subvert that, like ReZero and Konosuba, which is more of a comedy, so it's sort of like expected and... Actually, I guess that's it. Yeah. Those are the ones that stand out to me the most and this kind of follows that pattern ignoring all the problematic stuff um and then also the thing i like about it is that 
later in the series, like once he settles all of his affairs, local affairs, like he starts going out and exploring the world and he starts up this trading business. And I think that's kind of interesting. But the, the main thing is he's, he ends up cleaning up the messes all of the other heroes make and trying to be the protagonist of this, like the usual protagonist of this kind of story. Like they just think they're the best and they are loved by everyone and they go out and kill monsters, but then they don't think about the consequences and he's the one who cleans up their messes. Like he has to fucking go clean up a, a rotting dragon corpse that is sending poison my husband into a town, making everybody sick. That's, that's yeah. an interesting angle. Of course, then I keep reading more and more spoilers and I just... I can't. I can't keep going. I've I dropped mean, it. I, how, it's, out of it's interest, not good enough. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. How 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 late are these spoilers? Because I'm just wondering, like, what uh, would it you doesn't do? matter to me. Well, I mean, maybe <laughs> it I don't know. the answer is I don't know, but it doesn't matter to me. Because what happens if the anime just never addresses it, or they get to that point in the manga or the light novel? I don't know what it is. Like, and what happens if they just bypass it or change it or subvert it slightly to make it not as uh, does not matter to me as as you as you've read as spoilers for is it a light novel it is it's a light all novel, three yeah. it's a light novel a manga and a obviously an anime i mean the thing yeah. is i it's i'm probably more on the side that you have to appraise works just by their own content but equally being aware of the uh, wider views and the wider worldview that an author an original author takes means you have a guide to inform you when you uh draw your uh, conclusions on what happens on screen it doesn't mean you mm. should draw it on you should Let me put it, it another way uh like if people like the anime the way that nerds work is they're going to like the anime they're going to want more content because it ends they're going to go seek it out and they're going to run into this shit and I would rather not support that because of the shit that I've read. It is just not good. It is, and ultimately, like for the things that I do like, and also ignoring the problematic stuff, it's fucking generic. Like the the events that he's like the problems that he's solving are so typical and boring. And I don't know why I ever saw anything in it in the first place. It makes me question my judgment in all things. And now I'm about ready to jump out the window because I've talked about Shield Hero for more than I ever want to in my life. <laughs> I mean, that's the, the, the problem, as you say, is like there's when you try and do a subversion like uh, ReZero or Konosuba, when you have a clear uh, satirical or very dark um, take on uh, uh, what it means to be uh, a hero, and that's really the centerpiece of, of your ongoing uh, plot and day to day. That's that's interesting, but Shield Hero's day to day is pretty much the day to day of any guy. He goes out, he does right. quests. He's just a bit more surly about it. He's a bit bit more hard done by, a bit more put upon. And mm. it's and I, I think, think they could have done a lot more with that. Again, completely ignoring the problematic stuff from here on out. I'm just going to say that that let's pretend that didn't exist, and I'll criticize it as if it didn't. Um, I think they could have done a lot more with making him this this outcast, and they just shove it under the rug after a bit and it's just no longer an issue and it why even do it in the first place yeah know? they've got it I almost inv inverted by the time uh <clears throat> we get to the current episode where they've gone from him being 
yeah, it's, it's like this, they have this thread of anti-elitism running through it, where like yeah. he he's become like this folk hero now, where the, yeah. The, the, yeah. the 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 people of the land know who's the the real hero, but the the aristocratic elites are all corrupt and uh, are still supporting the 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 facade of the other heroes. And it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like yeah, I, I know that's not like like the um uh the least common trope out there but it still is a bit rich that you're just leathering it on like that i also like i don't know i can't really identify why i was willing to continue watching goblin slayer and i've dropped this <laughs> i can't figure it out yeah. i've been trying to figure it out but i did like goblin slayer a lot more than this again ignoring the problematic stuff uh, <laughs> And I don't know why, because ultimately it boils down to the same sort of thing. It's just this mm. hero who's I think f- killing monsters and saving people. Yeah. I mean, fundamentally, I- though, they make uh, the the Goblin Slayer, or I don't know if he ever got a name. Um, nope. L- but, yeah, that's part of it. He Like, he was far more impersonal, far less sympathetic than uh, Naofumi is. By having an unsympathetic uh, hero, that's, that's a more interesting more interesting because even Konosuba and uh, Rizuru still have a very sympathetic main character having an unsympathetic main character is actually sort of interesting whereas I wonder, Naifu is still that might be, that might be it uh, I, it's, yeah. sorry, I was just wondering I wonder if it's not even that because the problem with the problems that you have with Goblin Slayer are the same thing like that doesn't change the, the attitude towards women in Goblin Slayer is abhorrent but then mm-hmm. it feels like your problem with Shield Hero is that there are some bad shit, and it's not nice. I agree, whatever. Like I can't remember. Like, but then it builds up, and then other problematic things arise, and they don't tackle that in the context that it's meant to be, that it's presented in. And so maybe your reason why your like acceptance of Goblin Hero is just simply because it's the one note <laughs> of horrific shit to women. But then that's what you're expected literally from episode one. Whilst this is horrific shit. And now there's even more with different stuff applied to it. Is that yeah? Maybe could that be I, it. <laughs> it's, it sounds in general that that Goblin Slayer has a better handle on its own tone too than Shield Hero does, because like I don't think in a a show with a better managed sense of tone you would have these swings back and forth between this is fine, this is abhorrent, this is fine, this is abhorrent. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Also, ironically, Shield Hero is much better about like portraying women visually <laughs> than <laughs> than fucking goblin slayer is like that i can't really think of any like super sexualized women um, that, there's some short skirts or whatever but there's no like fucking tits flapping around hanging out the window like yeah. no, no moo cow girl or whatever there's no moo cow girl there's no there's no priestess who's shown off her train chain mail by revealing her zettai ryoki <laughs> like it's it's really weird. Is that the first time we've used Zetai Ryoki on this podcast? Yeah, I was going to say, that's, uh, that's a deep pull. That means absolute zone, doesn't it? Uh, the gap yeah. between a, uh, what was it? It's high, the gap. High sock and a, yeah. and a short skirt. High, high socks and short skirt, yeah. yeah it's it's, it's that the skin ultimate gap. zone. Can't be, can't be too wide or too narrow. Just mm-hmm. very, 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 very common visual design in anime. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty sure there's a book on it. Literally yes. a book on it. <laughs> you can find all of this in the show notes, listeners. Don't <laughs> apologize for dropping just... a truly weeb term. 
I'll never do it again. <laughs> I mean, as you're saying, John, it's like maybe it's just implicit versus explicit, and like one's more um, pervasive and just there in in the background, and it's like this greasy sheen pervading the whole thing and slowly getting under your skin and annoying you in a way that's like just you could just switch off when it the explicit stuff popped up in Goblin Slayer and just go no don't care about this bit moving on whereas right compart- compartmentalizing yeah also one last thing one last good thing and also bad thing about Shield Hero episode 4 is sort of the culmination of the culmination conclusion of like the entire town being against him because that's when they call out the fact that he bought a slave even though slavery is legal so i don't know why the king even cares like it's allowed like why is he calling out the hero for buying a slave when it's a thing that he actively allows and supports in his country yeah he's he's the fucking king he can make a law if he thinks it's wrong technically he can't because it's a matriarchal society um (laughs) uh, anyway (laughs) that was me making fun of the fact that it's a matriarchal society so it's women who are bad um let's cut this yeah yeah let's, i was gonna say <laughs> it's just wait why am i cutting it it was sarcasm okay okay i'm hungry sorry it's just sudden <laughs> a feeling in my stomach i'm hungry anyway right. uh they call him out for having this slave they're like okay now the spear hero is gonna duel you i think it's a spear hero yeah uh and if he wins, you have to lose your slave and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, he's freaking out because it's the only support he's had in this world so far is this slave, which is, you know, pretty fucked up. But also it's true. And she's like grown to have affection for him. Like she, she, I she likes him. Like she's gotten stockholmed. <laughs> I was going to say at best you could call them codependent. Like she's obviously traumatized and he's like, if in the context of the show, he's traumatized and they are very reliant upon each other. Yeah. And so like they have, yeah, codependence is a good word. They have this dependence on each other and neither of them wants to lose that connection, even though it is slavery. Um, And, and to be clear, the, the slavery in this sense means that she literally has a curse placed on her that, and he owns her through that curse. Like she literally cannot disobey him if he chooses to give her a direct order. Um, Anyway, so he loses the duel because the princess cheats. <laughs> Woo! And, uh, he, and, then, and then she gets the curse removed. But then there's like this really good emotional moment, like slavery stuff aside, where she comforts him. And finally he's like, oh, wow, I'm finally seeing you for who you really are. And maybe I'm not completely alone. Maybe I do have people on my side who can help me, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's a good moment like slavery thing aside there's a really good emotional beat in the show and then in the next episode they put the cur- they put the curse back on her yeah. what? <laughs> i mean it's but just... maybe maybe this is sort of the thing like i don't i mean i obviously know of the problems that you have but like it could just be that the context that they've been given to you and not maybe in the context that these problems or these issues are resolved or bought Sp- sp- like spoilers are spoilers and i get that but sometimes spoilers are literally like this person said this one thing and it's really horrible and it's like yeah but then you watch like the rest of the thing and it's like yeah he said that shitty thing but then he got reprimanded for it i don't know no, like don't. i haven't watched this fucking show i'm not probably going to because I, I think john's yeah, just i think if there was one show that, that you'd be right to draw sort of conclusions from outside uh, foreshadowing and uh, knowledge uh, this would be one one on which you'd pick because most of its problems are systematic that it's mm-hmm. it's the it's not the individual moments it's the world and it's the 
it's the framing of his uh, sort of martyrdom and it's like I'd almost describe it as like uh, Randian or sort of libertarian almost like he's he's encouraged like to only rely on himself and not to really care about out anyone else and just to to care about looking after himself and making money and like there's some pushback against that but mostly that's like all all its message seems to be is like look after yourself Eh, maybe you've got some people who who you care about but fuck everyone else It is sort of hinted at that he's deliberately make, like being a hard ass yeah. and trying to make people dislike him. I don't know fucking why. Like, there's no reason for it, but whatever. Um, he's basically uh, glorying in his. It's martyrdom. It's 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 yeah. That, that word works well. He's choosing to be a martyr. He's choosing like, oh, fine, you don't like me. I'm just gonna just gonna be a piece head. of shit. Yeah, yeah, fuck everything. Yeah. Um, anyway, I want to mention one more spoiler. So the slave curses. Um, it is later revealed in the series. I don't know if it'll get to this in the in the anime or not. I don't even care anymore. Uh, <laughs> that the slave curses actually make them more powerful, uh, and that's what. And then so eventually he gets Ooh. sort of this whole harm of Power, slaves. Powerful in terms of like, like combat just, and shit. Just strong. Okay, yeah. so the anime powerful. I see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The power level. Yeah, so, you read in your, so you know. And so later down the line, he gets more slaves who like voluntarily get the who who were not slaves before and like join his harem for lack of a better word. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's it. I I don't. This this sounds like an isekai written by a contrarian in some ways. Mm. It sounds I like mean, somebody I, trying to be edgy to yeah. me. Like just, just I just want to be as fucking dark as I can and without a point. Like it's. I would almost say that Goblin Slayer is the same thing except Goblin Slayer. No, I don't know. Again, I don't know. <laughs> I'm it's not funny. Sure. It's funny that you met like the slavery angle is such a big deal because in that fucking garbage show that I watched, How Not to Summon a Demon Lord, right? Like, and that's the another two one. Girls, like, they yeah, they yeah. are become slaves, and and similarly, like one of the ways that they defeat the ultimate evil lolly girl is for her to become his slave. But they don't really bring it up. Like, and they like. I guess I don't make a big thing out of it being more powerful or whatever. It's just like, and then also it's just like dropped instantly because he's not doing anything with those slavery powers. I don't know whether they do anything with the fucking shield hero powers. Like I said, I haven't watched it. But he like, uses his command ability a couple times. Yeah, and right. Sort of, okay. I mean, because he doesn't in How Not to Summon a Demon like, Lord. It's just like, yeah. oh shit, that was weird. Well, I'm going to yeah. try and work to unlock the the slavery powers that have accidentally enforced yeah, I mean, upon him. In some ways, he's, the st- stuff John t- talks about being foreshadowed has also popped up to a degree already in that, like, the first time we sort of see her command her to do something is to kill something and then, again, to fight when she's afraid. And the sort of insinuation is like, well, he, he, he's like the, the good master uh, helping out his uh, his more cowardly slave to become braver and it's like that's a trope i did not know existed until i started watching this and started reading about it is the good slave master in anime. Yeah. like i wasn't aware it was such a widespread thing apparently it is now i know hooray <laughs> the world just got a little shittier yeah <laughs> uh, oh dear anyway. that's all i got to say about shield hero and i never yeah. want to think about it again well, I wanted to duck in real quickly and say that I was curious about, like, maybe if this sort of fascination with, like, the culture around slavery was because Japan didn't have that much experience 
with chattel slavery. But so it looks like Japan had first recorded having slaves in the sixth century, the, the oh. third century AD, um, and they had them through the 16th century when Toyotomi Hideyoshi abolished it. But it had fallen out of fashion for mm. decades or even centuries before then, as like using unfree labor was unfashionable. So, so they have roughly the same history that we do with slavery, um, except probably not racialized. I was at a certain degree, that uh, with geishas, that's essentially slavery, and that is romanticized as well. Well, I, mm. unfortunately, as a medievalist, I I have to distinguish between uh, simply being unfree um, with some sort of like debt bondage and like actual chattel slavery, mm-hmm. where you are a piece of property and not a person. Um, but yes, it is a good point, Duncan. Yeah, I do think that a part of it is definitely that Japan did not have the same experience with slavery that say America did. And that's why it probably rubs Americans a lot wronger, wronger, more wrong, more wrong. Thank you. A lot more wrong than it does Japanese people. Uh, especially if you happen to not be white or, or just the West in general, not just America. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Especially off the back of uh, you talking about Run with the Wind and his black character being... Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> it feels very... Anyway, I just wanted to chat real quick about uh, what I was sort of watching because for some odd reason, these random episodes of uh, Double Decker, Doug and Kirill are coming back on Netflix. Uh, Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll. Uh, so there's, it feels like there's some weird random extras. I don't know whether they're OVAs for the DVD, um, but whatever. Double Decker, we mentioned it briefly. I really fucking loved that anime. I really loved the whole series. It had a real sense of fun and sort of like dumb like uh, partner sort of like relationship. And then also like the whole cast uh, really blossomed into something quite magical and fun. I really, really recommend this anime. It, it was um, got a lot of a very strong comparison like visually to Tiger and Bunny. Um, I think but it's I, the same director, isn't it? Something. It's not. It's something. I, I can't remember the exact link. I don't think is it's it not exactly the same universe. No. No, I don't think so. Because then why would this team be here? So I mean, as a brief <laughs> recap, as a brief recap, Double Decker is a, a police team that are used to um, find the narcotic anthem, which um, dis- which turns people into genetic monsters when they use it twice. Uh, and then they can, then they, the double decker team, have this special uh, drug gun that they shoot uh, after analyzing <laughs> them. Um, and uh, it's. Yeah, the gun only allows you to shoot if they're confirmed to have taken, taken the drug or whatever. It's, Which is kind of like. It's half goofy. Of the it's fight, very irreverent really. and, and like jokey about <laughs> shit. And I think that's part of it. Yeah, so it is really jokey. And, and it's even. It's one of these things where I'm I'm just going to ruin like the ending because the ending's really good and it's one of these things where when I tell you the ending like the some of the plot points of the ending you're going to be like that's fucking stupid and it is <laughs> but the the way that it is presented to you within the fictional universe just means that you just go along with it and you're just in for the ride and it's really fun. So it turns out that Anthem is a drug that was uh, created on the, on the moon. The second moon that's in the okay. sky is not a real moon. It's a moon of super elite people who um, 
really want to make who making a drug so they've made a drug called anthem to try and uh genetically alter the soldiers so that they can fight another like force on the i think on the dark side of the moon or something really stupid it's been a while since i remember that plot point it was developed but not much uh and then kirill who is like your main character who's always portrayed as this useless guy but he has a catchphrase don't think feels so good which is in english and it is hilarious um and it turns out that so it turns out that he is actually like the escaped prince from the second moon who's uh, <laughs> brought down by his with his brother on uh on like a transport ship and uh and then there's an army general who is used to like bust an anthem like to help to uh bust an anthem uh drug meetup uh pretty early on and he says don't think feel so good just before he like does a thing and like saves kid uh Doug and you know they go off and have fun times and then he's like oh that's not that's a weird phrase and everyone just thinks it's just you know like a weird thing that he's saying and he's just misappropriating another saying but it's fucking not it's actually a saying that like the space cadets use in the on the moon or the moon cadets sorry um as sort of like their general motto and this army officer is actually from the moon who's come down to find kirill and then it all sort of like culminates in this amazing like base fight where all the people have their little moment to shine they all fight a thing or do a thing or hack a thing uh and uh yeah it's really dumb but you sort of like you're caught up in it and i think this is sort of what's so great about that show is even though me telling you that he is from the moon and he is a moon person and it is fucking dumb um you kind of enjoy it when you're watching it and i think that's the strength of the really good show is that even though the story is dumb as eggs you're believing it and you're buying into that story. And I think that that is actually something that's really good. I think that's quite something that you could probably praise for this anime more than other stuff that we might be watching later on. Um, I didn't want to bring it up just because of that. I just think it's a very good show. It's very technically accomplished. It's got a lot of great character arts. It's got a lot of great story writing. You know, the the lot of like very sort of like funny moments that are sort of it's just really good at like at, at creating characters that you care about and you want to know more about um the one thing that i had one slight problem i have was the well not a problem but the one slight hang up i had was the one butch character who i think was very telegraphed off out as being a, like a lesbian uh but she was you know butch she had a shaved head she wore like uh, like she always wore like police trousers and shirt and she was very hard up. And then it turns out that that all came from a prom date that she had, she had with a boy. And then turns out that they actually, he wanted to dress up as a woman. And so she was, she went along with it and dressed up as a guy and it was a good, um, it was a good moment. But then I'm just like, so does this mean that the my, interpretation of her is wrong and it's changed in that she's now no longer just a butch lesbian and now is actually just a straight girl who likes to wear guys clothes which again is fine but i don't know whether that's like i'm always sort of thinking about the lgbt society in japan where it's kind of constantly underrepresented and i'm just thinking like 
maybe this is just a way to kind of get around the lesbian issue in a pretty big show. I felt that it was maybe just a weak point. But I could also be reading it wrong, in which case she was like, yeah, I know I look butch. And then I realized that I was a lesbian, but I didn't want to get into it that much. So I just sort of left it a bit vague on the side. And that's who I am today. It was done really well on the show, but it still left a slight sore stickler point in my head. But I could just be imagining it. John, I don't know whether you even got that far. Uh, I got five episodes in. Right. So I think. She seems after. fine so far, but you know, <laughs> no, she's good. And this is the thing: they all get their episode to shine, um, and they're all really enjoyable characters. It's a great cast, and uh, I really, really enjoy that show. And so, if you like Tiger and Bunny, I think you should watch that because I actually, I think it's better overall. I think it does a better job of telling a story that is succinct and um, characters that are more enjoyable, fun, and sort of they've just got more character than I think the ones in Tiger and Bunny where the one gay guy was just a flamboyant gay guy and that was it he didn't have anything else I don't even think he had an episode he was just a flamboyant gay guy who just sort of rode in on his pink like fucking race car and then rode the fuck off again into the sunset never to be seen again so yeah Double Decker check it out it's pretty good yeah yeah you should f- tra- catch up, John, and tell me that I'm right. <laughs> Why is it called uh, Double Decker? Uh, because One. that is the system. It's sort of a joke. On It's a play on words. I'm not quite sure in the Japanese, but it's called that because as Anthem detectives, they, have, they are always paired up. So there's always a buddy cop scenario. So there's, there's three teams of two. Uh, so they always buddy up as a pair. So that's why they're called Double Decker. But, but doesn't Double Decker imply like one's on top of the other or something? I mean, it, to me, there's also a Double Decker bus. Hey, you've played Shadowrun. <laughs> Deckers are hackers. <laughs> there's also a Double Decker bus, so it could be that. It's not. Um, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't think it is. I think it's literally just a joke on... Um, that on it's a Japanese joke that Mids told me, and then I was like, "Oh, that's really clever," but I've completely forgotten what it is. <laughs> it's something to do with the play on words and detective. I pass. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that mystery boiling under our skin, let's go ahead and take a break, and then come back for our spotlight. Woo! the second half of our podcast we'll be discussing our spotlight anime bungo stray dogs a 2016 anime made by bones and directed by uh, igarashi takuya based on the manga written by asagiri kafka and drawn by harukawa 35 this was uh john's pick a pitch so why don't you go ahead and say why you pitched it john and what it's about I pitched it because I wanted a light-hearted action series instead of all the other stuff that we usually do. Um, and it's about some, like, this this uh, private detective agency-ish thing. Uh, everybody's got superpowers. They're all named after authors and have powers vaguely themed after the authors and or their works. And 
uh, I thought the first core ended <laughs> conclusively, and I was wrong. Anyway, moving on. Uh, tell me why you picked it, Duncan. I picked it because some of the same reasons John pitched it, because we always pick quite big mood anime. Things which have like <laughs> this central theme and this central uh, message that they want to tell. And like... Maybe it's time we just watch something really well produced and fun and see if how well that holds up to scrutiny. And I think the long and the short of it is that it probably doesn't hold up that well. That you probably shouldn't dissect these beautifully constructed little uh, episodes because there's not all that much behind it. But it is very pretty. Very, very pretty. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm being slightly mean to it. It's... I think, to be honest, I'm not the right target audience to get any of the depth it has. Like, uh, well, uh, I would say it doesn't have depth, and that's <laughs> part of why I like it. Like, so I'm just gonna explain, or I'm gonna give my brief re-impressions, having already watched it before and being the only one. Um, I liked it a lot the first time around. Um, I forgot that the first core is nowhere near as good as the second core by a lot. Uh, I think. Um, but part of why I like it though is I like sci-fi B-movies a lot and this is sort of that but for action anime and it's just like super light and I don't have to give a shit about most things and I just kind of watch it and stuff happens on screen and I enjoy it as it happens and then it's just over but that's sort of why it was a mistake to pick it because I don't really have a lot to say about it beyond that uh, anyway that's me when I mentioned to Mids what I watched what we picked, uh, Bungo Stray Dogs. She, her comment was, oh, it's nice that you've chosen something different. And it is very different. I mean, and when she said that, when I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, it's nice to pick some Fujo bait stuff as opposed to what we usually have. God um, and, and how, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was nice. And, and I think the problem that I have when maybe this dissecting this anime is what is the problem with these sort of general Fujo bait shows and what is the problem with this show in particular um i thought that it was kind of uneven throughout actually and any and as soon as some sort of stakes were raised i didn't care in the slightest about anyone and even i mean the evil guys the port the mafia like they're mentioned in episode two or three, I think, and then they're completely forgotten about until literally episode nine, and then they're brought up again as important again, and being like, "Guys, remember these people? They were really bad. If you don't remember, if you don't remember them, here's a flashback from episode three, and you're just uh, like, uh, I think I'll have to disagree on on, mm. on this one. I do think the Port Mafia are given a decent amount of weight as. Uh, and, and the initial antagonist. Well, not Wait. Wait's probably the wrong thing. They are uh, pretty um, one-note evil cackling stuff at times. But yep, like, exactly that. It, they, it, they are present. They're not like brought up and for, forgotten they're, they're about. Not. Like they're they're brought up in. I think the first time you meet them is when the one like. And I think this is the problem with the show because it does this all the time. It's like it's like here's here's a thing you should watch out for this thing. And then five minutes later, that thing happens. Like, you should watch out for this evil guy. You should run away from him. And then he appears. 
You should, uh, like, they're sitting on a train and then they go, man, the evil people are really evil. They could attack anything at any time. They could even attack us on this train. And then the guy's like, no, they won't attack us on the train. And then they attack him on the train. And you're like... Yeah, yeah it's fucking foreshadowing or what? He fucking he has fucking lemon bombs. Like what the fuck? That's so good. <laughs> I'm sure it's some some. It's gotta be a reference to something. Yeah. a novel he wrote or a he, short story. He doesn't take damage from bombs shaped like lemons. How the fuck does he even figure that out? <laughs> like, I guess. I oh. guess he does. Yeah, I. I'm going to try to be positive about this because I. Like I think from the very beginning, John was open that this probably isn't for me, and I appreciated, um, I appreciated the art. I thought all the character designs were good, even if I'm tired of everyone dressing this kind of like pseudo Victorian pastiche. Uh, and I thought the action <laughs> was very good, even if I don't really know mm. why two people fighting or mm. care, and it doesn't matter because it's just two people that are equally invincible until one person tries harder. Yeah, uh, I, I actually have a problem with the action in general i was actually a bit disappointed that there weren't many what i consider good fight scenes like the yeah only time i actually like really enjoyed the fighting was when is it atsuki who's the tiger akatsuki yeah yeah mm. like he mm, no. he makes a really good on screen in battler just because he's Atsu- Atsushi, and... not akatsuki that's the uh that's the evil organization in naruto john <laughs> Oh, yeah, I've never seen that show, sir. At, at sushi. At sushi. At sushi. But yeah, he, he just bounces around and dodges stuff, and that means they can do lots of dynamic shots and move the camera around a lot. And yeah, that's interesting. But a lot of times it's just, I've got my big power, I'm going to go, ah! And it's not, no, my big power will stop it. I mean, yeah, yeah. but that's like, that's the price of admission for, for this kind of show. Like, it doesn't I mean, have to be. Can you think of a better example? Blood Battlefront. I was gonna say that. <laughs> yeah. But there's the reason I didn't. The reason like I didn't pitch that one is because I wanted something lighter, and <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. I like, like I said, I like sci-fi B movies. When I was trying to think of, and this isn't a sci-fi B movie, but it's the best equivalent I can draw no, I from can Western, from Western like. Uh, western categories what's whatever the word would be um but like I was, I was trying to think of like a comparison and this is not a similar type of show but like i would watch i watched a lot of sci-fi tv shows like the, from the c or from the channel sci-fi or Sifi or whatever the fuck uh, they call it um <clears throat> who knows these days yeah what, what it's but called. like i would watch really good ones and then i'd also watch warehouse 13 warehouse 13 is not good but it's thoroughly enjoyable from the beginning. And it's just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's cheesy. It, it doesn't really take a lot of time to, to explain things because it just doesn't really care a lot. Although it might pretend that it cares sometimes. I don't know. I don't know. Also, the I first mean, core sucks. Like, it's the first core is so bad compared to the second core. It's, it's really unfortunate. Yeah, and I was, well, I, I was I so, to... so wrong about ending on a good point. And <laughs> I mean, we yeah. end with the, with the reveal of who the leader of... I don't know, like, but yeah, I, I agree with, with what you say that, like, this show does so little world building that when it does, like, lay down a hard rule, it's almost distracting. Because, like, it's usually just like, oh, my power lets me do this, and you do something crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, sometimes it's just like, oh, well, we can't do this or can't do that. 
And I don't know, like, unfortunately, just like, like, this is something that I would have been super jazzed to watch at age like 19 or 20. Mm. And now, like, I've seen so many shows like this and mm. all of all of the tropes that like I don't like, like super, super homicidal organizations that no sane person would want to work for because they're <laughs> all just bloody yeah, and but... violent and infighting. Ah, but point to that. If you watch the first four episodes of Core 2, you would see that that's not the case. Ha ha ha. Well, I'll come. I'll come back with a report later. But for now, just like, why would anyone work for any of these people? They're all assholes, and they all just kill each other. That's not true, though, Ben. They do not ever kill anyone who's a named character. They only kill <laughs> nameless red shirts. There's, it's like everyone else, perfectly fine. You're a nameless red shirt. You're done for. Uh, and like, they even have a contrivance for that on one side. Like, they ha- literally have someone who brings people back from the dead. Who but only if they, but only if they've been mortally wounded. Yeah, <laughs> and only if if they're not uh, one of the main characters, because fuck the poor kid and the woman who gets shot in the episode before. And oh, yeah, they don't matter, one of the main characters who's there. Oh, why? Why does this life have to be so unfair? Next episode, here's our, our doctor who can revive people from the dead. You could have done with that the episode. Well, it, to be specific, she does not revive people from the dead. She cures them if they have a lethal wound. She can't bring yep. somebody back from the dead. They have to be dying. They have to be yep. in the process of dying for her to heal them completely, which is, well, again, so how do you figure that out? I guess you figure that out by, like, trying to, like, like live, damn you, live. And, yeah, yeah. Right. How do they figure out any of these fucking powers? Like, but then I, I also <laughs> think that, like, like the, like, this is the thing. It, it does, it does, like, a thing of introducing, like, a main player every episode. But this is the problem. It It takes eight episodes for them to introduce everyone and then even then they don't introduce everyone everyone they just introduce the bare minimum number of people that are necessary to like make the over like the the three episode quote-unquote serious arc where a detective go a guy goes missing and they don't give a fuck about yeah they don't do anything that was really weird like have you ever watched like a well they specifically don't care about him because he's a fucking weirdo and they they say that but but, have you ever watched like a monster of the week tv show like that's what this is but sure but even then like you've got a fucking guy like I think it's the fourth or fifth episode where I completely disengaged with everything else that happened in the show because there was one guy who was so good at detective stuff that he could just fucking figure anything out, like, instantly. Uh, that, that's the fifth episode, Andy. Is it the fifth episode? Apologies. Murder on D which, Street. I love which, him. He's such a stupid guy. No, he's not. I thought he was funny, too. He, I don't... <laughs> think he belongs in the show but i like that he's there i don't know he, the reason the reason he fits is because Sorry, he you just imagine it's literally anything else that happens on there on afterwards when they're investigating anything they're just like they justify it because he's a fucking arrogant pompous asshole who doesn't want to do work unless it he wants to do it like that's how it works yeah, that's, that's what it is he doesn't even learn how to get on the train because he thinks yeah. that's too much work yeah I, I, that's just lazy that's just bad writing yes it's he like is that, <laughs> that's the point it's like that whole thing where they're just like the the rise of cell phones means that now in every horror movie they have to announce the fact that the cell phone has no signal like it's it's the same thing and it's just like I'm just like why did you even bother bringing him in just, just leave him because it's funny like, it's <laughs> not I, honestly I didn't the only time I laughed was when the fucking main guy was like, I've got to save her because she liked my crepes! And then run back in. I was like, fucking hell, that's dumb as shit. And that's the only oh, time I I mean, laughed, Atsushi is fucking boring. I'm just going to throw that out there. He's the worst character in the show. Just, uh, but, but he's the only character who has development. This is another problem with this show, is that 
everybody's been developed and, and there's no character development between anyone apart from the main guy. And then even then, like, his main guy is some hang-ups with, like, being abandoned, which you think is absolved by episode three. I have to he... ask again, have you ever watched a Monster of the Week television show? I mean, not really. Do you just hate them all? Like, name like, a couple of them, because I've probably seen Buffy. a few. Pun? Buffy. I mean, Supernatural. Not... No. Warehouse no, 13. I mean, was... Eureka. Pun? But any any sci-fi television show from the past twenty years, Star Trek. Watched. Yeah, a lot of Star Trek shows are are like Alien of the Week. JoJo. JoJo, yeah, JoJo is very much. Uh, yeah, but this is the Monster thing. Week. Like the, the thing you mentioned about JoJo is that the fighting is clever, and it is clever. But the fighting is really not clever in. Well, no, I never said it was, and it's not trying to be. <laughs> Well, and I think this is why I didn't like it because I don't know what it's trying to be. It's not. Well, I told you, it's it's very much trying to be this this light, fucking very lightweight action show with not a lot of stakes because you know what's going to happen. They're going to win because they're the good guys. Like if you don't like that, that's fine. But like it's it's not trying to be anything special. And I don't. I think you're trying to look for something that it was never going to do and never wanted to do. There is not a hint of edge to any of the first 12 episodes they're yeah. absolutely the, the softest of yeah. of episodes there's, there's zero threat to anyone as, as you say unless you're a red shirt in which case fuck you yeah i was <laughs> i was surprised that when um first off the main guy's like secret superpower is he can just turn into a tiger which i was like <laughs> oh that sucks but then apparently this is like some bomb ass tiger who like he like got stabbed through the heart and healed it out like like 10 yeah. seconds later and i was Speaking like okay this fight. fight's gonna be kind of boring but when he's fighting like infinite red laser demon dragons bad guy what's his name what is his power <laughs> uh i don't know what his power like rashomon like what is it a reference to yeah rashomon which is based off the the uh akutagawa's like work which is was made into the uh akira kurosawa movie um but yeah like what was his power because he can just do anything with it he was like walking around it on spider legs at one point and i'm like what is this power <laughs> yeah I, I didn't get i didn't get that I and i was like well, he was really powerful but oh then like then like finally just atsushi punches him hard enough that it gets through his like shield where like no like cancels all energy so that no bullets can hit him because they lose all their energy when they fly through it it's so weird i'd be interested in knowing how old the this is compared to my hero academia because old eagle boy and his dark shadow thing seem really similar to yeah but the eagle boy plays it off really well i think that the thing with the eagle like eagle boy is it's clearly a parody of everything that this is trying to do whilst rashomon and the other guy i don't think it is it's not a parody at all it's very straight laced he's very dumb he's very stupidly like oh i am darkness I am myself, but I mean, this is talking about My Hero Academia, here, but like, he's he's very dumb. I I uh, uh, I don't know. I I think that they played the off manga. Playing. The manga was started in 2012, by the way, Duncan. Okay. I think I mean, it's playing into the trope. I'm talking about My Hero. You're getting me really hung up on this. He's playing into the trope of a dark, brooding hero, but he's not a parody of one. Mm. I don't think I'd agree with that. I mean, we really. One thing, though, is that we really lack a lot of context for who these people are until they get to the Western authors. Yeah. Like, if any of you can talk about the, the canon of these authors <laughs> who are like... Well, I've been trying not to, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, I, ha- I have read uh, uh, Osama Dazai 
um, whose landmark work is called uh, No Longer Human or Ningen Shikaku, um, which is... Pretty good. Uh, I think it's a very good book. Um, okay. It is very depressing because it's a series of of like memoirs to himself about his progress from uh, feeling like a weird kid to making the decision to kill himself and how like all the ugliness in the world has brought him to kill himself. And then, you know, later in uh, Dazai's work and Dazai's life, he committed a double suicide, which made it really tasteless how much the character named after him in the anime joked about how, like, man, a double suicide is so great, so great. I was, I kept saying this, but I was really worried when I heard that F. Scott Fitzgerald shows up as the head of the American organization. Like, is he going to be drinking a lot? Because that's, like, how F. Scott Fitzgerald died. He drank himself to death. Um, he managed to quit liquor, but... I actually really love his character. I enjoy uh, his well, power. actually, to be honest. Uh, I didn't get that far. No, oh, that's I the didn't... end of second he, core. He's, like... he's literally powered by money. Yes, yeah. it's so fucking good. He yeah. and his power is obviously. I think they call it the Great Fitzgerald, which is you know a play on the Great Gatsby. <laughs> yeah, that's it's so Joe-ism. so good. I just fucking love it. It's such a good joke, and it pays off really well because he. I'm just gonna spoil the fucking end of the second core. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, so like like Duncan said, he he powers himself with money and he's super fucking rich. So he's like got all this money to spend. But much like in The Great Gatsby, he fucking spends all of his money trying to like find happiness or find like, you know, to, to achieve his ultimate goal. And he just fails. And I think that's hilarious. I think that's a really good reference. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. They had both him and Ste- Steinbeck and Steinbeck's like the opposite end of, of Gatsby to the entire Depression era. Like you've got one at the height of the Gilded Age and you've got the other in the Dust Bowl. <laughs> and oh, the grapes of. Yeah, the, the, I, I know Ben was apprehensive of what they did with Steinbeck and what what the, and reading the grapes of wrath. Oh, Steinbeck's powers like he he controls giant vines which can smash things yeah, up and he, like, basically yeah. he cuts a hole in, he stabs a hole in himself puts a grape seed in and it just sprouts out this huge fucking grapevine and then he can control any nearby plants by by grafting the grapevines onto their roots yeah i mean that's honestly i i would have been willing to roll with that a bit more but like man this this show is really like like someone was given a list of authors in their most famous work and was forced to come up with just like powers based on all of them over the course of like a weekend where he's like fuck fuck how do <laughs> how do we how do we uh make this work how do i make the great gatsby a good oh he just spends lots of money and then like oh no how do we <laughs> how do we make rashomon into a power oh it's just like a big fire dragon laser <laughs> Dude, so i think uh it's i so, think the it's thing something. is though that like, as i was saying this um these the the one the characters i enjoyed the most were often the the western ones like as you're saying Fitzgerald's good Lovecraft's yeah, good it's exactly because I understood them yeah and we, we we just simply don't have the the idea of their canon their place in history and, mm-hmm. except for Ben with the, with, uh, with the one one who he thought absolutely sort of like completely I thought it was, I thought it was tasteless it's, it's a thing yeah. it's like this was this was a novel that he wrote like months before killing himself with his new wife uh, so yeah, by throwing himself into by throwing himself into a river. So yeah, come on. Please. I think that you're not wrong, like there, Ben. Like real quick, because like I thought that all of those jokes jokes about suicide just didn't land. They weren't funny, and and I think this was sort of a problem with with that with the the show is that the characters that aren't the main character they have like they're like a one note slash one trick pony where 
Well, they each get one episode where they can show off their power and then we never see him again. Yeah, and this, and you know, he just constantly wants to kill himself. But then for some reason, he has the ability to cancel all the other powers. And the only thing I can think of which comes even remotely close to this is a video game called Persona Q. My reason why I'm bringing it up is because you have these quite deep characters in Persona 4 and in Persona 3, and then they just sort of get boiled down in Q. The interactions between the uh, the characters who are in 3 and 4, who you know and love, they just get boiled down to tropes. They just get boiled down to, hey, Chie, everybody knows that she loves meat, so let's make her love meat-based products throughout the whole thing. And, and that's her joke. She She just gets mad about meat and then like i mean that sounds fun it's fine but it's just like it's just it's just boiling down these characters you know and love and and i presume in the case of this like anime these stories these authors that you know and love and just boiling it down to their base essence and it doesn't make for an interesting character and it doesn't make for an interesting cast it just makes them for like a parody of who they are they were or who they are it's a very odd decision and certainly like I am infinitely willing to believe that the that the manga has more room and it feels like we're less having people shuffled in and out meeting the like the farmer boy who literally does not understand the concept of lying or money so that must be a hell of an isolated <laughs> village um but uh, I love yeah, he that seems guy. very much like a parable almost but yeah. as I say yeah. we, we have no idea of the context yeah of that. I don't know what his context is but he's hilarious I love him I will say that real quick the the uh Keiji Miyazawa, who's the the farmer boy, is named after a Buddhist monk and agricultural scientist who wrote uh, "Undefeated by the Rain," which is a really powerful poem. He also wrote "Midnight on the Galactic Railroad." That's the that's the thing that most people know him for. So, yeah, like they're these are fairly like well known Japanese authors, which maybe makes me wonder if it would have gone Hold into on. the whole uh, read or die sort of thing that we had when we watched that of Can you, uh, recognizing explain? other people what his power has to do with his book because his power is he's super strong when he's hungry well because he's a buddhist monk who is is really known for like okay okay self-abnegation and being a vegetarian so okay okay i'll allow it it's it's bad but they're all bad like no none of them are like oh that's a clever application of his power i I would say fitzgerald's is that's it though that's that's kind of it Mm-hmm. I genuinely think say, his, his, his yeah, yeah, I genuinely cause... think his conclusion is very clever in terms of what the Great Gatsby actually is. But I also understand that a lot more because I've read the Great Gatsby. So, as yeah. has every like American boy who went through high school. So to yeah. be fair, I skipped it in high school. I read it many years later. Well, good. It's it's a good book to read when you're thirty. Because that's book. actually who it's. Yeah. It's a for. shitty book to read when you're in high school. Because <laughs> you don't get yeah, it. You don't get that like no, being at the end of, like the potential of your life. Anyway. Yeah. For what it's worth, I didn't hate this. I just. Uh, you said you hated it. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I just wished that it was something that it's not. Not even something that it's not. I just wish that it was something more. The most interesting parts are the huge sort of like plot pitfalls, like how they're supposedly a secret agency, but everybody knows where they are. Like they're not a, they're not, they're not supposed to be a secret agency. I don't know where you got that from. They're actually open. No, they're o- no, they're openly because the, the police like yeah. talk about, like, oh, we're bringing them in. It's, yeah. I think I'm, I had more of a problem with like the mob rules this town sort of thing, which is a trope that Japan loves yeah, that's uh, true. and is always kind of like. Yeah, like, it's a weird sort of thing where, like, there's this bubble where, like, no one from out of town comes in and is like, is it fucked up that, like, the mob completely controls this large part of a 
of the like outer belt of Tokyo stuff. <laughs> it also plays on the, uh, that sort of very common trope in uh, at least anime, at least of the sort of the gangsters who love their their hometown, really. Mm. And it's it's like, uh, but you don't the, really get that until the last few episodes. Of yeah, the series, I didn't get that so. at all. I didn't even understand no, why that's the fuck not these at all people in the first... were enemies or what the fuck they were fighting for or why they were even fighting. And I don't. Well, they're they're yeah. the mafia. They just organized crime. That's why they're fighting. If that's all that's you need, a stupid then that's question. fine. Like, whatever. I, I mean, why does Dio need to attack Jojo? It's, it's, exactly. It's like... He's just a fucking asshole. It's just what he does. Yeah, but he wanted to... I mean, yeah. No, nope. there's I... no... that You cannot... You literally cannot give him a... Like, there's no justification for him being a piece of shit. He just sure. is. And I agree. And that's why the third season is the worst season. But that's... Uh... Oh, my God. <laughs> so, John, let's have a quick talk about the, the good stuff, then. The... the... I only have, like, a few things to say. Yeah, uh, it's not, not going to be a long track. It's just, like, it's a four-episode arc, which immediately is something they don't do in the first course. And immediately, like, some of the stuff Andy says about them not developing characters and not giving them background, well, when they actually decide to sit down and do that, it, it's immediately improved. And we we get this nice little noir mystery uh, with, like, who's betraying who and... Uh, like, no, not really any power stuff going on for two and a half episodes. Yeah, it's just it's just a lot of talking and a little bit of shooting. <laughs> like, yeah, and the nice, nicely sort of smoky bars with cocktails and uh, uh, low lights and people looking sorrowful. And the the thing I found out is like um, those three three characters are three were three co- contemporary contemporaneous authors who actually hung about uh, as part of like a, a literature group in reality and so this like f- f- little arc is actually based around a real sort of group of authors which is actually like yeah that's an interesting concept to run with look this person's ideas overlap with this person's ideas and conflict with this other person's ideas about and how their works change uh, each other's perspectives on things and like how his his character is um, influenced by the death of his friend and sort of the possible betrayal of his other friend like if you had more of how these fictions are interacting with each other as ideas and concepts in the main 12 arc that would be more interesting to me because as it is they just feel like um big powers rather than big ideas and like yeah it's 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 almost like a little john woo film it's like all all double crosses revenge and gun foo by the end and it's a lot more dynamic and interesting than it's a lovely little action sequence and like we don't really get much of that in the first this core, which is has been said a couple of times, they just were trying to get the entire cast introduced before they could actually do stuff with them. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because I wonder whether they just because it's clearly segmented between season one and two. I wonder if they 
already it's kind of not to... like the, the end oh. of core one is such a huge cliffhanger like it immediately leads into the second core there's there's no yeah but you know i, I mean there's there's the... no like hey this is a good place to end i, I was it's... just completely wrong when i said yeah, that before yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was just wondering all, all i was gonna say was i was just wondering whether it was a thing where they they just knew that it was going to they just they had a second season in planning in the works I'm, anyway i'm sure so that's that... what it was yeah yeah it looks like, like it, it. Yeah, I can't um, imagine it, it what was that wasn't that because like they the the first arc, which is like the um the the the, the quote unquote rescue from uh, uh yeah, is that episode nine? I think it's nine. Sure, nine or ten. It feels like really the whole series is building up to episodes that ends at episode ten, and then eleven and twelve are kind of throwaways. Well, episode eleven is the episode with the farm guy who's not introduced and then episode 12 is like a gear up for season two and that was again a like a one trick thing where it's like this girl's got a weird ability which puts people in a room that's away from space and time i don't know that had that had some pathos there with like i mean granted it was like oh everyone who has a special power was an orphan it feels like but there was like the whole thing of where if I'd ended up in a worse situation or ended up with worse people who valued me less, it's never really clear why they are willing to go to such lengths to like protect Atsushi, except that he's the main character of the anime. Yeah. But I do notice that like looking at um, some of the episode notes, it looks like the whole like uh, uh, Azure King arc is from like a light novel spinoff. And so they deliberately padded out the first core so that they wouldn't hit like any mm. of the cool shit until the second core, which is a interesting decision very odd so. yeah that's odd mm. I, I actually like the azur king bit like it was, it was oh, short it was but i like really <laughs> yeah i thought it was good i like I, that character I don't, though. I don't like hunting serial killer plots in general in fiction so uh, was it a serial killer? for a second it was i was interested because i thought well maybe they're gonna do a sort of bait and switch and they'll have him be the azur king because like his entire thing is he's got like this a set of ideals he writes down in a notebook and that really sounds quite a lot like a lot of uh, sort of quote-unquote revolutionaries like you're talking who... about the the second the third main character as it were the girl guy with blue hair and gla- green uh yellow hair and glasses the blonde yeah nishi nishida i think kunikida kunik uh kunikida he he's got just got like a uh, like his entire thing he's got like the set of ideals which he's like can condensing and holds the world too so i thought well maybe they're doing a bait and switch and and like having him face his the consequences of his inflexibility sort of a bit of more deep than they've gone elsewhere but i mean well first off you didn't uh but no i I agree but we didn't get to see the second half they could have gotten it but there were moments of i think real pathos that unfortunately were usually just setups for introducing new characters like i think that Kyoka's story, while kind of exaggerated, um, just like her quiet conviction that she didn't deserve to live because she's been an assassin uh, and killed 35 people, I thought was like reasonably powerful. And the brief moment on the ship fight where Akutagawa is like, they don't really build this up as much as they should have if I were directing this, (laughs) this scene, but where he's like, most of his rage against Atsushi is that like, he's getting beat by someone who hasn't practiced at all. And he apparently spent like brutal months and years 
learning how to make like take advantage of his power and so like that's what's driving him in this fight not like the being a sociopathic asshole which is usually what the villains do in these kind of anime the bulk um, of his motivation is that he feels like Dazai's never recognized his strength i think which is fair because Dazai never seems to like at least in the first core never seems to like buckle down and be mm-hmm. be genuine with anybody so um mm-hmm. and then i kind of i was sad that the like doctor dude uh, ends up being the head of the, that's how these things work where where like everybody is actually secretly a, a gangster or a, a secret <laughs> cop but i did like when he was just kind of like before the reveal when i thought he was just a normal person who like had an exceptional amount of like philosophical grit and like moral strength but then of course it's because he's secretly the head of of the the gang that runs this town <laughs> yeah. so that bumped me out but i liked it before that i thought it was really cool where like all the reg all the like faceless people like fled her like evil puzzle palace but he's like no i gotta find my gotta find my my little girl so i'm staying here even if i can't really do anything but that's kind of like uh, emblematic of this show is we're like oh that's cool or like oh that's affecting and like oh it's just it's just to like lead into more like shonen battle stuff so i don't know I think, okay, uh, my biggest problem with the show, including the second core, is that the emotional beats always feel really rushed. It's not that they're bad on their own, it's that they just, they, they're they like sped up like five times faster than they need to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like like, yeah. like when, when Atsushi like decides to help Kyoka, it's like instant. It's just an instant reactionary thing. And that's pretty common in these kinds of shows where like the protagonist is just super empathetic for everybody mm-hmm. who's in trouble and wants to save everybody always forever and, he, and no matter what happens to him but uh yeah that's that's like i mean you guys have sort of already mentioned it before but that's definitely my number one problem with the show yeah i mean Atsushi is kind of a a like snot-nosed coward at times and i appreciated that characterization but it was never when it actually mattered he was yeah. never cowardly when it would actually put someone in danger, just when it didn't matter. And all the, in general, just the weird like Nakama shit that's going on uh, in the agency where like they don't give a crap that Dazai went to go kill himself. But like they haven't seen they like haven't seen someone since last night and they're like freaking out and sending out search parties. And it's just like, OK, I don't understand like yeah, the, the what these people's relationships it. are. The main character disappears and all of a sudden they give a fuck. And then this one character who's been gone for like, I think four episodes by that point. Like they just didn't give a fuck. It was very, it was very I mean, I feel like they explained that pretty soundly. Like in fairness to them, the plot is that he's got like a 10 billion yen bounty on his head. So him disappearing might have more meaning. No, but when a, when a normal guy with the, with the super like aggressive little sister, who hits on him when he disappears like they immediately send out people to go find him i think the the it's pretty well established by that point that people just don't put up with Dalai's bullshit a lot of the time so <laughs> when he disappears up. it's just kind of like what he is sure sure it's fucked up also i think it's funny but also i did not know about the connection to the real life author until you told me about it a few days ago so you know i'll just jump out the window or whatever no just watch silence that's something gotta... instead that's that's the distinction that, like that's what you guys try to trap me with is like oh but you like Sirens that's been say a lot and it's like yeah it's, it's not a it's not based no, on a real person this. like it's it's literally like making fun of something that caused this person in their life it would be like fuck i can't even think like who's who's died recently <laughs> but it'd be like that it'd be it'd be like making like someone who died from an overdose be like a big drug fiend on on a show where they've got a character based on their life and it's just like why 
I don't know. Maybe Japan has different values about suicide. I mean, I assume they do since they have uh, ritualized, formalized yeah. suicide for centuries. But still, it's just like that's not funny. But I, I like the thing is, I, I like I like suicide jokes. I just don't like suicide jokes about real people who have killed themselves. Is I guess my my line I, I'm drawing. But I, well, I don't even think it's that. I just think it's the form. I mean, I haven't seen Zainal Setsubo Sensei, um, and clearly, it's a it's a big uh, criticism of my character and assessment of any anime going forward in life. But like, I I don't even think it's, it's maybe that. I I just think it's lazy jokes. Like, it's not even a well. It's not even a good joke. It's the same joke. It's just like, oh, you're a beautiful woman. Oh, do you want to do you want to kill yourself with me? That'd I don't know. I think when. Again, ignoring the real life comparisons, I think when they're sitting in the restaurant and they're just talking about something, he just out of nowhere, non sequitur, looks up and says, "That's a nice beam." Yeah, and that then, was I, then, I like that too. Uh, he, he, uh, I don't know. I thought that was a bit good. forced. <laughs> but that that that's what non sequitur is. Though. Like it's it's a guy just like out of nowhere making a joke. Like it is a joke. It's tasteless. I'll agree. It is still a joke, and I think that that timing is good. Anyway, moving on. I mean, and because... just, uh, maybe Andy hates it because uh, Dazai is voiced by Mamoru Miyano. So, oh, is he? <laughs> yeah, I don't hate him. I yeah, you do. I thought John hated him. No, yeah, I don't. John hated hates his. Him. No, Andy hates him. <laughs> no, because he's the main guy in fucking um, Zombieland Saga, Miyamoto. And you hated him that, didn't you? I don't no. hate him. No, you're all. thinking of me. I was. T- I said I'm probably gonna get tired of his shtick, and then I didn't watch the show, so I never had a chance. Okay, you know what's weird about this show is like when I was looking up. First off, um, Haiji from Run with the Wind is the voice of redhead with the aggressive incest sister. Oh man. That, um, those, which is, those two are so fucking it's, it's intense and it doesn't even try to pretend I, that yeah, it, they don't she, like it. She goes down on him like, and it's blocked yeah. by the sofa, but like you can see her yeah. like legs in the air and his like, yeah, like not cool anime. I wonder, is, is that a, is that a reference to the, to the real life authors too? Cause man, it is, uh, it is inappropriate. I do not believe so, but I can go <laughs> ahead and check while we keep talking. They, they keep this like the thinnest veil of plausible de- deniability, like the absolute thinnest veil. Only because they don't show it on screen. <laughs> he's, he's known for a work called the, uh, Makioka sisters, but I don't think that incest or even sex is really one of his, is really one of Junichiro Tanizaki's like works. I was hoping you were going to say he's known for Ore Imo. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But it, but but in additionally, really weird. That guy was um, like. There's a bunch of Dararara and Chihafru uh, alums in this show. Like a lot of them. The th- like three of the, ma- the all three main characters from Chihafru are like major oh, yeah. characters in Bungo Stray Dogs. Which is weird, and uh, like most of the Dara cast is in Bungo Stray Dogs too. So someone, some casting director saw, either saw Dara and cast them in Bungo Stray Dogs, or yeah, something like that. I don't know. It's very weird. The incestuous stuff that like happened, like not literally incestuous. I just realized we were talking about uh, sister blowjobs, but uh, no, like just like hiring the same people for different for different shows, different studios. Yeah. Uh, to have play the same stock roles is weird and interesting. Could just be that often like actors have good chemistry too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You see it. You see it in like. I, I wonder if it's that one. Uh, oh, cut this. There's there's that one producer author guy who's like really well known for just making like every say you, like if he likes them, 
it always they're always introduced and in, included in every one of their shows. I wonder if it's one of those cases. I uh, I don't think so because because Chiafru is Madhouse and Dararara is Brains Base right, and Bingo Stray produ- Dogs is Bones. So but producers don't aren't necessarily or like casting directors aren't necessarily tied down to one particular studio. Didn't you bring this up last episode, Andy? Maybe. I can't remember. I'll find... I can't remember who fucking linked Find out who the guy actually yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not allowed to bring him up again until you can give us a name. Oh, okay, I'll try my best and find this article. It was ages and ages ago, like maybe half a year to a year ago that I read this thing about this one guy just being super creepy perf. But anyway. I'm going to talk about Bungo Stray Dogs again. Real quick. Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, I got two things left to say. One... Steinbeck, Grace of Wrath guy, he could control plants using his power, and yet his reason for being in the guild and helping out Mr. Richman Fitzgerald is because his family's poor and they don't have enough food to live. But he could use his power very easily to just grow like infinite crops, just nonstop <laughs> crops, just like the best crops ever. He could make a lot of money being a farmer. It's yeah. hilarious and doesn't make any fucking sense. I think that the reason they gave was that his family had debts and uh, basically um, Fitzgerald had called them in. But yeah, as you say, he could make he could so much money. His power, his power is so good for making money. Like he could grow infinite trees for for like lumber or whatever like the best trees whatever <laughs> he could do whatever the fuck he wants this show's uh, not meant to deal with that kind of like i like know it's fridge like, logic him him specifically like it just stood out to me and i think it's funny it's also not good but you know whatever. actually that that reminds me of something that maybe one of you guys can shed a light on is that they set it up so that um steinbeck's gonna be like the next leader of the guild so the american yeah. Yeah, like uh, thing and so the first leader was melville then it's fitzgerald and then it's steinbeck how in terms of like the american literary ca- canon how, di- are those like is that no, actually like a fairly no, no they're just famous people they're just famous american authors there's not any like there's a rough date correlation but beyond that there's not like they've they're in chronological order of when these authors lived but beyond that no they're not part of the same like school or anything so okay, nice. Okay. No, I don't. Other... I don't think. I think this is a very shallow reading of most of the authors and their works oh, impact and stuff. Yeah, so. As I say, in, in like in the the four episodes, they actually had the the three people from the same school uh, sort of drinking to get buddies together. So I wondered if it if they went any further, but obviously not. <laughs> okay, I have one more thing to say. Um, I'm going to talk about Lovecraft for a second. His yeah, power he's good. is it? His power. Yeah. He, first of all, he's it's fucking hilarious. He's just the power is racism. <laughs> okay yes just had to get it on my system sorry go ahead john it just everything's ruined he's he's the most morose guy ever he's just like i i don't want to do this i just want to go to sleep this is so annoying but apparently he's got some like contract to fulfill um and his power is to like summon tentacles and cthulhu-esque things from like his limbs but it turns out because Osamo uh, Dazai has the power to turn off people's powers, he like tries to do it to Lovecraft, but he can't. He's like, oh, that's not a power. So this is low-key fucking Cthulhu in this show. It is just in canon. It, literally, Cthulhu is in this world. It's weird. It made me laugh a lot. Okay, thanks. Uh, uh, and, and, like, after revealing all that, he, he we, like, see him reverted to human form, walking like to a dock edge going saying time to sleep and sort of jumping off and then Steinbeck, <laughs> just, go, Steinbeck turning to one of the other captors and goes he was, he was sure was a strange guy but he was my friend I'm like yeah. what? <laughs> 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 he was your friend dude 
you need better friends. <laughs> so weird. Just so weird. Yeah. Anyway. It's it definitely seems like this like sort of meta pastiche of a bunch of literary stuff. And I really I would like to know how this came to be a manga that this author wrote or light novels or whatever. Yeah, I yeah, I don't yeah, know. I, I, I League just... of Extraordinary Gentlemen happened and sold lots over here and then had a movie made of it. So if that can happen, then this can happen. People like uh, references to old works and famous authors. Yeah, they are very shallow references, but they managed to make a lot of them fun. Like, it, I know that people don't like on this podcast the word fun because it's shallow, but honestly, yeah, that's that's what it is for me. I like I like a bit of fun. I just I just don't know. You whether, just hate this show. I understand. I just don't know whether this show had the fun that I was looking for. I think there was a serious problem where I didn't know any of the authors. And I honestly, if you hadn't have told me that they were based on authors, I wouldn't have even known. Even when they brought in the American literary officers, authors that I might have recognized, I would not have known that they were based on anything. I would have just thought it was an actual show where people have stupid powers. And one of them is the power that everybody has, which cancels everybody's power. Like an index. At least he's less <laughs> annoying than Toma. Yeah, that well, him. that's that's a very low bar. Actually, I found I found an interview with a uh, with uh, Asagiri and Harukawa, the the artist and the and the author, and um, he said that they came up with it. He came up with the idea. He looked up a bunch of famous authors and then wrote like three sentence descriptions of them and sent them to the artist. And that's how that's how they put the show together, <laughs> put the manga together. So absolutely I, makes sense. all my st- questions have been answered. He was like, wouldn't it be cool if there were a bunch of fighting authors? And then, yeah. And yeah, my my main thing about, you know, uh, Ichio, the, the female uh, girl, the girl who always, um, who's always with the, uh, Akutagawa, uh, the, and like I just oh was, yeah 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 no I know. I liked her I'm just gonna I, say that I, I was just I wondering her. like is her power to make guns really ineffective because <laughs> she, she, she she shot a girl multiple times in the back and she survived and then she went in to raid a, a whole bunch of dudes her. and then she didn't kill any of them she threw a grenade one. in the middle of them and then they're like fine. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> it's kind of heavily implied that she doesn't want to. She doesn't. She shouldn't be in the mafia because she's not really someone who ha- wants to kill people. I don't um, know. She tried. Nevertheless, to kill indifference should not make a grenade not lethal. I, we, we have <laughs> a, a very really different, different grenade. I don't get the impression she didn't want to kill people. She definitely tried to kill uh, the sister. Like she just didn't finish her off. So the doctor the other, saved her. The other thing I could think of is is maybe backs just are invincible in this world because she got <laughs> shot in the back but then the hacker guy got shot in the front and then he died and then the 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 blue the blue lady informant got also got shot in the front and he died and then when uh fucking i'm gonna look up her name real quick so i've forgotten it already uh when ichio got shot she got shot in the front of her leg and that hurt her so maybe and I might be reading a bit too much into this. Maybe it's it's front shots that actually hurt you, and back shots don't hurt you as much because you've got a back. That back's made of bulletproof ribs. Okay. No? Yes? <laughs> 
I got nothing, man. That was a uh, that was something you just said. John, I want to thank you for pitching words. for pitching this anime. It's okay to be wrong about what's a good spotlight. I think we got some good conversation out of it. I will probably watch the second half. I was okay. I mean, I was wrong about being a good spotlight, but I refuse to admit that I was wrong. Okay, so. fine. I don't care. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, don't, I mean, I think I think we're all talked out. We might just go back to nitpicking over the show. So let's not let's not demean this excellent work by by talking about how their powers don't make sense. Um, do we want to dip into the mailbag or just save it for tomorrow or for next yeah, episode? Have a, have a quick dip in that bag. Have that bag. Let's, dip. Okay. Let's do it. Um, so, so someone, uh, my uh, acquaintance Sarah sent in a message asking us that if you had to show one anime to someone to prove that anime was weird and different and worthy of of like consideration separate from just oh it's cartoons or oh it's whatever what would you pick Ushishi and why oh <laughs> fuck fuck I don't know cause it's good and fun <laughs> I, I think do you want me to answer your, the question for you John I think I think that like that kind of pacing and small right, right, like right, fairy right. tale is very rare in, in other stuff yeah, and it's so much more subdued than, say, Western cartoons, which are almost always super bombastic and energetic every every moment, right. or or just telling jokes constantly, just an onslaught of stuff happening. Whereas Mushishi is very slow, and although it is also episodic, like it's telling these really nice, concise stories, and it doesn't necessarily care to be grandiose or epic in scale. And I think that that's good. Also, it's just fucking pretty, and it's got <laughs> such nice music, and it's okay. I would go. I would go with uh, Devilman Crybaby, because it is um, it's a show that is very against and uh, the hero's story, and it's a show that is, and I don't know whether this is. I mean, the problem is that it it it, it sort of faces the. Uh, the problem that I think a lot of sort of shonen shows have of it being always this person who goes off and defeats and beats the evil person, then continues that sort of trope. But I, I don't know whether this is the maybe why it's not so good because it's feels sometimes that it's very specific to manga. But I guess you could also put that towards superheroes and sort of like like the the feeling that you, you can sometimes the the shit that you do is inevitable and and the end of the world is inevitable. And I think that Devilman Crybaby is really fucking good at, was very good at delivering that. Uh, I feel that there's some slight problems. The animation budget was, was Garbo. Um, but I felt the overall message what? of that show. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Devilman oh, Crybaby. dear. Oh. We watched the same show. Oh no! I think this is going to be one of those occasions where Duncan and John disagree deeply with Andy. It's, I couldn't. I saw. I said what, and then I saw your face, and I was like, "Oh no!" At least I'm not the only one. Were you watching oh. the same show that I was watching, of Devil oh, Man Jesus. Crybaby? Okay, I I don't really want to get too deep into this, but I'll just say that I disagree with you at a very deep spiritual level about the animation in that show. Thank you. Uh, I I thought the. I I think that I think that it's a very good show, and I think that it, it really 
it highlights the stuff that is interesting in anime and manga and uh yeah check that one out also it's on netflix which is very easy to watch because everyone has netflix nowadays <laughs> right, that's it i'm done go go, <laughs> go. um this is this is maybe a little a, a little too artsy or avant-garde but if i were to show someone something that anime does that nothing else no other medium would ever do i would pick endless eight from her he says <laughs> because Jesus because Christ. no one's ever done that God damn and it's it. and it's so no i'm gonna, not wrong i'm not gonna go wrong. to bat like I, they don't have to like it but just like this is a medium where like one of the most like the best respected studios in the industry can put spend like literally hundreds of thousands of dollars making the exact same episode eight times over with like minor like plot or or visual changes like i think it's great and i think that endless eight is underrated there i said it Duncan, so, okay go. so just a fast fast refute to that so why is that unique to anime uh, that, just, was that not the question well i don't think well, is, is so, that unique to the anime industry's level of hubris uh it's unique to the like the, the fact that that would be considered a viable thing to put in a second season of an of an award-winning show um like I don't know the, the the stuff that people are losing their minds with about like the good place, for example, is stuff that anime has been doing for years. It's not necessarily something that is unique to the medium of anime, but in terms of unique to the industry of anime, having an environment mm, where okay. fairly surprisingly like avant-garde or experimental things, especially ones that piss people off as much as Endless Eight did, <laughs> um, are like. Like, do you think someone someone lost their job for Endless Eight? Maybe. Also, maybe not, because they pull this shit all the time. Not endless, not to the degree of Endless Eight, but in terms of just uh, like weird fake outs and like odd, odd cul-de-sacs of plot or theming. I don't know. I think that Endless Eight is like something weird, and you would never see an American TV show have the same episode air eight weeks in a row. Okay, so definitely though. not. <laughs> Do you think that more comes from the studio or from the audience, Ben? I mean, it's hard to say. The audience did not like Endless 8, so I wonder there. But I do think that there is a general acceptance that, like, sometimes anime is going to go to a weird place and it's pursuant on you as a viewer to follow it there or to bail. But I do think it's the circumstances of how anime is funded and produced on this at this really tight margin um, with just, like, a lot of money that's being spent to buy more than it honestly can afford. I think that that mm. also means that you can get away with stuff. Like I think the, 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 the Zenith of that was the eighties OVA boom where just money was getting dumped in the studio system. And people were making these OVAs in like two, three months and then putting them out on video. And that's how we get some really weird, great stuff like bastard. And that's also how we get like bio or uh, angel cop or any other sort of, terrible piece of shit because there's no oversight and there's like a general creative permissiveness i think in the anime industry where just like sometimes you're gonna do you're gonna do weird shit and you're gonna have like i mean these days we mostly see a channel into like sneaking fan service into anime i think um but like sure the worst of it is is like off-screen sister blowjobs but it can also be like weird experimental stuff. I don't know. That's I like that that exists, and like I don't expect the person I show that to to be like, oh, that's really good. I'm going to watch a bunch of anime. But I think I am. They're going to go away and be like, wow, anime is kind of different. 
I also was wondering, and maybe you guys can help me find a decent example of this, like, um, like Japanese mythology and lore is so different from a lot of Western Jap- like mythology and lore that for me, I really enjoy that. Um, like, especially when you go look at like Shintoism and sort of like their like that religion of just there's not one main big 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 old god. There's there's hundreds and thousands, and you could also move this onto Buddhism, I guess. But I don't know much about that. But like, I just wonder whether there's a sort of a show that people can think of which which sort of points at Japanese mythology, points at Japanese lore that isn't spirited away because honestly that's the only thing that comes up to my head and i think everyone's Ooh, kind of she uh, yeah okay, john mentioned Mishishi, it i guess but i was also thinking like uh eccentric family maybe um i get the impression that Mishishi, that would be a good one i think yeah, yeah it's it's hard i mean it's... as you as you're saying like uh when you have polytheism like this multitude of gods rather than this, this single overwhelming incomprehensible being that you can humanize them more you that's why as you say like the eccentric family is not a bad example because you can make characters out of a god and you can have them have flaws and and not have to be perfect whereas like god capital g has to be perfect and so you're never going to have apart from eva and its huge crosses you're never going to have like god brought into uh an anime hopefully yeah, and I, I, I always, I always find like, and I think this is, and we'll have to get into it another episode. But this is what I really love about Dororo is, but like, I can't think of any good examples really off the top of my head. Maybe Natsume's Book of Friends, but then you're just like, well, now you're recommending a series that is what like 150 episodes long, and I don't. I think really I think we exist think... this in a hypothetical space where the person is sat down and Ludovico methoded all of whatever you're making them see or something. But also, I haven't seen all of Natsume's Book of Friends, so I can't comment on it. Like, I think that a lot of Westerners, you know, you need a touch point. And I think that that's why, like, when people watch Spirited Away, and maybe my answer will just be fucking Spirited Away. Like, I think that's why a lot of people, when they watch that, they're like, what the fuck is going on? This is mental. But then when you've, you know a bit more about Japanese mythology, about Japanese history, you can actually compartmentalize it and actually make sense of some more of like the, the spirits and gods that are going on because in the, for a Western audience, you just wouldn't know. Um, I mean, what you talk about there, about the blending of uh, reality and uh, sort of dreams and madness, etc., is probably what I choose to highlight with, my pick i'd probably either say perfect blue or maybe paprika if they Mm. wanted something more accessible just because of the works satoshi Kon does in both of those is just like the the strength of the medium is like there is no division between the 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 reality of a dream in anime and the reality of quote-unquote reality in anime they're both drawn they're both slightly abstracted so there's we don't have to break immersion for incredibly weird things to happen they can happen flawlessly within the reality of that uh construct and so you can just go okay so now this person's just gonna weirdly warp and like the the intro sequence paprika where she's like walking in and out of billboards and jumping through monitors and like that's like a really good example of how animation has this freedom to break uh reality as a perception far easier than 
cinematic just because it doesn't have to deal with that first some middleitude that uh cinema does yeah yeah, yeah no, I agree with you there. although i will give you a slightly hard time um what does paprika do that inception doesn't do i did it first first <laughs> so well the question was partly like animation right centric yeah or am i am i wrong yeah about that? and and uh as, as john says then a large part of inception is animated yeah that's fair but is i mean uh, tom, but... tom this is like a, a certain film critic you and i both follow ben would would say it's, it's, it's any film which has that amount of cg is just an, an animation anyway <laughs> so i th- think uh that can definitely be leveled at inception but um like if to try and sort of like treat that generally, um, I think the the argument would be that even with something like Inception, where you've got this immaculately crafted other world, which is you can still believe, um, one of the advantage of um, sort of cartooning is the uh, iconifying and the universalizing of um, people that done right it can be easy uh, like the, the we talk about the potato kind of uh, a lot this this like yeah. this hit this weakness of a lot of shows in the genre where you just have a, an absolute audience insert character just someone for every this is this is just where you can place yourself mm-hmm. but that's also a strength because as done right the ability for someone to act as like just for the audience to immediately just emphasize with that as me instead of that as Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> is something which you can use. Because um, when you look up at uh, it's like star casting in Hollywood can be a problem. Like you, you'll see someone in a role playing against type and you'll it'll immediately be a bit of a discord. Whereas anime never has to deal with that. It can always try and project you into someone rather than at someone that's the best i can do so no, no i think that's i know i think that's great i think i think we we crushed it um all right well that will be it for our episode we uh encourage you to rate review and subscribe to us on itunes find us on twitter at keyframes pod find us on facebook at keyframes podcast email us questions like this uh, at keyframespodcast at gmail.com or on facebook or on twitter they'll get to us eventually and most of all, tell a friend about, I don't know, tell them about the, our answers to this question. I think that we did a good job with it. Don't tell, don't them, don't tell a friend dogs. you know. Tell a friend you don't know that well who's... I got nothing else. I'm sorry, <laughs> you couldn't even I go tried. through the whole bit. I, yeah. I, just, I don't know why you fucking bother, John. You okay. want me to, I'm not going to do it now. You've earned it. <laughs> yes, finally, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> nah, well, for this week, I'll bring it in next week. Say goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, Goodbye. Goodbye.